his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris and Amy Show, sponsored by Summer at SLU. Find your kids' best summer yet at St. Louis University. It's the Chris and Amy Show. Check it out. St. Louis, Mound City, we are going to have a great day today. Now, Amy Marks scores Chris Ranji on KMOX. Let's take it from the top. Amy? Uh, Hello? Amy? Not here. Oh, where is she? Uh, not here. Hold on a second. I see John Hancock. Here. Hi, John Hancock. Hello, Ron. I'm Chris Ranji. Stop me for... Hold on a second. All right. Are you telling me yeah. that Amy is on vacation again? It would appear to be the case. How is that possible? Well, she uh, negotiated her uh, new 12-year deal. Uh, Dude. Worth $400 million. Million. I need her to negotiate mine, I guess. Yeah, no kidding. I was. I have been looking for a job for, let's see, 25 years yeah. where I get 50 weeks vacation. <laughs> and so it sounds like Amy's done it. We have the same job, yeah. but I don't get the same vacation. Well, you, Unbelievable. Should, you should run for the legislature. You could probably work that out. <laughs> and then just show up a couple weeks. And, and then threaten to shut down the government. There you go. Boy, wouldn't that be the power oh, to have? Wow. Hey, I can. what if we could shut the station down unless we're, our demands are met? Well, we could do that. We probably could. That is Get John Hancock. Picket sign out there. I'm Chris Ranji. Uh, 314-436-7900. You probably recognize that phone number because that's how you call and text us. If you want to leave a voicemail, we have another number. 314-944-1120. We're broadcasting live on Facebook and YouTube. Hello. You won't get to see John's face, but you can see mine. It's a good thing. And Dave's. Um, where? What else? Oh, Odyssey app. Download the Odyssey app and listen to us live. And also 98.7 FM, 1120 AM. Social media at Chris Amy KMOX. Time now for the top of the order. The top three stories everybody will be talking about. Our 300th debate of the uh, GOP primary occurred last night, this time with uh, Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley on stage together. Who won that one? Were there winners at all? We will talk about that coming up. And some Republicans in the Missouri General Assembly want to repeal the state's death penalty. And after 24 years, Bill Belichick is no longer the coach of the New England Patriots. Wow. Just a, and not to mention a lot of coaching things happened. Nick Saban retired. Gone. Pete Carroll was fired. Gone. All of that happening within less than 24 hours. And we've got Matt Pauley coming up, host of Sports Open Line. We will talk to him. Major Garrett's 
Chief Washington correspondent for CBS News joins us after the 1030 News. And we um, talked a little bit about, not a little bit, I think a a decent amount about the story of a company from Washington, D.C. with their intention to send surveillance drones to Gravoy Park, South City um, uh, area, uh, neighborhood, and doing it without the consent of the people who live there. And the effort was to... I don't know, I guess, uh, help reduce crime in some manner. The residents, of course, as you can imagine, were not happy about it. Well, we find out that they've been operating there anyway, at least according to the company. So uh, we are going to talk to Sarah Crosley, who is a resident of Gravoy Park. That's coming up on the show later on. Uh, John Hancock, last night, it happened again. Yet another debate, this time between Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. Biden won that election, and the idea that he's gone and carried this out forever to the point that he's going to continue to say these things to scare the American people are wrong. I appreciated what President Trump did, but let's just be honest. He said he was going to build a wall and have Mexico pay for it. He did not deliver that. He said he was going to drain the swamp. He did not deliver that. That is uh, DeSantis and Haley, each talking about former President Donald Trump. And the question going into the debate last night was, how much attention are they going to pay to him? I would say, John, um, just from just from uh, paying attention to it, that they spent very little time talking about the Hardly front any. runner, yeah. and a lot of time going after each other. Yeah, I was compelled to watch the thing last night because we, uh, Michael and I, had to do commentary on Fox Two, so I I sat through it all. Uh, and you know, the the strategy of this thing was so wrong. Do you play Monopoly? I mean, I did. Okay. So I don't have the you, patience you, you, for four hours you, you of Monopoly. You understand the game. Yeah. Uh, it's a complicated game. Yeah. Uh, and the object is to put everybody else out of business except for you. Well, in, if this campaign was a game of Monopoly, Donald Trump is holding right now Boardwalk and Park Place, uh, which are the two best mm-hmm. things to possess. I do know that Monopoly much. game. And what Haley and DeSantis did last night was rather than teaming up and going after the guy that's got boardwalk and park place. They were fighting each other over Baltic Avenue, the least <laughs> expensive corner on the monopoly board. And it was just from a strategic standpoint, it was fundamentally wrong for them to do that. Uh, had I been running either of those campaigns and you're going into a debate right before the Iowa caucus, and it's just going to be the two of you on stage for the first time uh, throughout the course of this whole campaign, I would have gotten on the phone with the other campaign manager and said, look, we've got a one in a hundred chance of one of us becoming the nominee at this point. We've got nothing to lose. We need to spend that time, both of us, making the case why Republicans need to nominate someone other than Donald Trump. And had they done that, it probably wouldn't have mattered. But it would have been a far better strategy than going in and fighting over, you know, which one's going to lose by less which essentially is what what that became last night. So it makes you wonder, and this is the question we've been asking for a long time, what is each individual's ultimate endgame? Is it to stay in the good graces of Trump and his voters enough that he might decide one of them should be his running mate? No. Then what is it? Uh, The only thing it could be, just looking at it um, inductively, the only thing it could be, is that they are hoping and have been hoping now for these many months that something catastrophic is going to happen to Donald Trump. He's going to die. He's going to get, you know, 
carted off to prison before, you know, the votes come in. That can be the only rationale for conducting their campaigns the way they have. You, a campaign is about explaining to the voter why you are a better choice than the alternative. And if the alternative choice is winning by a lot, as is the case in the Republican primary season with Donald Trump, you've got to make the case persuasively that you're a better alternative than Donald Trump. And neither Haley nor DeSantis at any point in this campaign has done that. Um, This is a, for me, this is a, a, I'm not, I'm not really sure because I do think there are a lot of people who would really like a good alternative to him. The polling for whatever reason doesn't suggest that. Is it that they don't really want an alternative to him? That people don't really want to move on to somebody else or they just don't like what the other options are in the Republican party. I think there's 30, 35% of the Republican electorate that is done with Trump and uh, it's not enough. And and probably one other third is all in on him no matter what. Oh, more than a third. You think it's close to what, 40? Yeah, I I think it's north of 40. And uh, and there's some of the, you know, he's north of 50 in a lot of these polls. And uh, and I don't think all of that 50% are true believers in, you know, Donald Trump or Busk kind of people. But a good, healthy chunk. And, you know, the Republican electorate has changed. Yeah, in the last in the in the era of Trump, you go back a decade ago, sixty two percent of Republican primary voters were college educated or more, and now it's closer to sixty percent of the Republican electorate is uh, has a high school degree or less, and that's just a a change in the makeup of who votes in Republican primaries. Donald Trump brought a lot of people into the party that were never there before. It's one of the reasons he defeated Hillary Clinton in two, in 2016 because of those new people, those new voters he brought in. But, you know, the anybody that's under the illusion that the Republican Party is a uh, movement conservative party anymore, is it's just not where the voters are. It's really fascinating to see that change. And as we've talked about on this show a lot, anytime you filled in, anytime we've we've had discussions on Friday— the uh, you and Amy both say this that the party has moved away from you, that you haven't changed. Amy hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. And it's I mean, the, that's... it's the party and the people who will say things like, "Oh, these guys aren't Republicans." Like, really? Mr. Hancock works for Republicans. I don't know how you can say that you're not when you clearly are. And I think it's it's just illustrative of of how far the party has gone away from what it used to be. Well, and, and political parties constantly change. They're constantly evolving. And, uh, you know, the Republican Party that elected Richard Nixon was a fundamentally different party than that which elected Ronald Reagan. Uh, different kinds of voters. You know, back in Nixon's days, uh, you had you know, the Henry Cabot Lodges and some very liberal Republicans out there. I mean, truly liberal Republican, Lowell Weicker. And those people no longer exist. And Reagan basically transformed the party into a doctrinally sound conservative movement party. And it remained that way for many years. It's it's a much more populist, uh, nationalistic party now. Uh, and, and Donald Trump really brought that change. It, that, that element had always been there, but it's it's the majority of the party now. Will it ever go back that way at all? Well, it'll go somewhere. 
uh, you know, things don't stay static. And as long as if we're a country in 50 years, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party will be different in 50 years than they are right now. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to be like this for the foreseeable future, I think. You say that, you know, if, if we're a country in 50 years, and, and I'm it's half joking, but is there is real concern on the part for, um, I think, a lot of people who think that, that, and we've heard this over and over again, this refrain that democracy is at stake in this next election, and it's, it's very important. Um, do you believe that? Do you believe that it is in such a place, that we are in such a place, that if we don't vote for a particular person, that we could lose democracy altogether? No. Uh, no, I don't believe we're going to lose democracy altogether. Uh, but I also think John Adams was right. When he said uh, a woman came up to him and asked him about the country, they had just ratified the Constitution, and he says, "We give you a republic if you can keep it." Yep. And that I think we're there. I mean, America is quite possibly is going to look a lot different in twenty years than it does now. But will we lose our democracy? No, I don't think so. John Hancock filling in for Amy Marks course today. I'm Chris Ranji. Uh, Chris Christie dropped out of the race. Yesterday, I think we all knew it was coming at some point. I didn't think it would come this quickly. We're going to get into what that means when we come back on KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I want to promise you this. I am going to make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition. Chris Christie, who was in the GOP running up until yesterday when he dropped out of the race, then spoke for about 20, 25 minutes um, to a a crowd um, as we get ready for the Iowa caucuses four days away. So I don't think that any of us were under the illusion that he had any chance of winning. Right. I know that he did not think he had any chance of winning. He certainly wasn't lobbying for a job in the Trump administration, if there is another one. So uh, I, I know that you watched that speech yesterday, mm-hmm. and you uh, I've been listening to him speak, and I I have thought that he and Nikki Haley both throughout the last several months during every debate, sounded the most reasonable of all the people on the stage. And I, I knew that he had no chance, but I I wonder if the message he's trying to get across is getting to the right people. Yeah, no, I don't think it is. Uh, Chris Christie, or Nikki Haley for that matter, would easily win a general election against Joe Biden. Now, 
the reality is that Biden's political stock is so weak right now that he could lose to Donald Trump. And, you know, in Donald Trump, you've got a you've got a candidate here for whom some 60 percent of the country think is unfit to be the president. But politics, elections are binary choices. And in a race between Trump and Biden, is there a scenario where Donald Trump wins that race? Yeah, there is. I don't think he wins it, but there is a scenario uh, under which he could. And so the argument that Trump is not ultimately electable has kind of softened for a lot of Republican voters. That was the uh, fundamental argument that Christie was making. And then and then the, he made the argument that Trump is unfit to be president. And I think he made a, you know, compelling, persuasive case. But the problem is that's not where the Republican electorate is. They don't want to hear it. They don't believe it. And, you know, Chris Christie's, his numbers were among Republican voters were abysmal. His favorable to unfavorable ratings. He was not just upside down. He was way upside mm-hmm. down. And so there was never going to be a path for him to win the Republican nomination. There was one poll, um, and, you know, I, I had it saved, but I have lost it. And it was all of the nominees, and Donald Trump, of course, is something like 20 or 30 points ahead of Nikki Haley, who came in right. second. Mm-hmm. And it was the entire field with Christie. And he had 2% of the vote. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nikki Haley had 20. You remove Christie from the equation, and her percentage went up to 22. So according to at least this one specific poll, she got all of his 2%. Yeah. Do you it, how you think there's really that much overlap between the voters, people who like him, like her? Um, well, I mean, I think you're, you're looking at, going back to the last segment, you know, there's 30, 35% of the Republican electorate that do not want Donald Trump. And, you know, those people are going to end up with Haley, ultimately, if she mm-hmm. stays in the race. But you don't win anything with 35% of the vote. You know, that's, that's, not, that's not a recipe for victory. So, you know, the, I think there is a very slim chance that Nikki Haley could be the nominee. Very slim. She would have to overperform in Iowa. She would have to win in New Hampshire. And she'd have to win in South Carolina. Then you got a race on your hands. Quickly, before we go to break, is there really a, could you envision a scenario that that you could convince Republicans that, hey, listen, if Christie's the nominee, he'll beat Joe Biden. So won't you vote for him then? Would that not work with people? Clearly not. That's John Hancock in with me. I'm Chris Ranji. A lot to discuss with Major Garrett's chief Washington correspondent joins us next on KMOX. John Hancock is in for Amy Marks course. I'm Chris Ranji. This is KMOX. It's Thursday after the 1030 news, which means it's time to talk with our guy, Major Garrett, chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, author of The Big Truth, Upholding Democracy in the Age of the Big Lie. Also two podcasts host uh, the, the takeout is one of them. The other one is called Agent of Betrayal, The Double Life of Robert Hansen. Uh, We've got Major Garrett with us now, and if you're at home trying to get one of your silly podcasts off the ground, this guy's like a two-sport athlete. He's got two of them. He's got two good podcasts. The rest of us trying to put together one. Share the riches, bro. Thank you for saying that, and uh, it's uh, the product of a lot of work, a lot of effort, and uh, 
I encourage everyone to get into the podcast space. It's uh, the the water's warm. Jump on in. It's fun. Well, we we love having you in the podcasts are are awesome, and we'll talk about who's on the takeout in a little bit. But last night, sure. we saw the debate between DeSantis and Haley, and uh, it seems like the consensus last night and into the morning is well, the winner was Donald Trump. Hard to argue with that. Very hard to argue with that. I watched the debate last night, and I thought to myself. Did anyone on either team say that if you're Nikki Haley or if you're Ron DeSantis and you spend all of your time arguing with and engaging in verbal jousting with your opponent next to you and don't talk about how you are different and better than Trump, then Trump will win. And apparently that conversation didn't have. And that is not a complex political bit of analysis. It's the simplest, basic, most fundamental political analysis. And it's the great mystery of this campaign, gentlemen. It just is. I've never seen a campaign in which people vying for the top prize, the nomination of a national party, don't want to criticize the leader in that race. Not very much. Only at the margins. And if you don't tell voters why you're better than the one they're leaning toward or thinking most about, guess what's going to happen? You may come in second, but you're not going to win. Yeah, it would seem to me that the only plausible rationale for the style of campaigns that we've seen uh, is that they're they're hoping something catastrophic happens to Donald Trump and they're there to step into the... Correct. You're 100% correct. And, you know, that's... uh, (laughs) <laughs> that, 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 you're that, looking for that an act creates, of, an act of right. God at that point. You're 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 betting your future on a variable over which you exert zero control, zero. And that's not a fundamentally sound way to approach any endeavor, but a particularly a political one. And it, there's this false argument that Republicans talk to themselves about. Well, if you go after Trump, you're going to lose the base. Well, in theory, yes, but you can try different ways. You can say, I'm better. I will do this. I appreciate that. But here's why for the times, for what our country needs, I am specifically better. You can at least try that. And and I thought last night was the perfect place to do that. The perfect place to say, look, I know you're looking in on this. It's the closing days of the Iowa caucuses. Chris Christie has just dropped out. The race has got a little bit of flex to it right now. Kind of a little bit of fluidity. So let me talk about why I am best prepared at this place, at this time, to succeed Donald Trump. And I I kept waiting for that. It would sort of manifest a little at the margins, but mostly it was hammer and tongs, lie this, lie that. You're wrong about this. You didn't do that. You're a weakling on this, whatever. And I'm thinking if I'm an Iowa Republican, it's like if I like Haley, I was happy that she stood up for herself. If I like DeSantis, I'm glad he was fierce. But that's not the question right now. The question is, can you dislodge Trump and his at least 20-point lead in Iowa? Look, folks, it doesn't matter if Trump wins by 20 points or more who came in second. It just doesn't matter. That's a non-story. It only matters if you're somewhat close to Trump on election night come Monday. 
And what I saw last night, to me, based on my experience, and I could be wrong, anything is possible in politics, but based on many, 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 many years of watching this, I did not see anything to dislodge Trump's strong frontrunner status in Iowa. Yesterday, a uh, kind of a, a strange thing happened in Congress. You had the contempt of Congress hearing. Hunter Hunter Biden was yeah. not asked to testify, but he showed up anyway. And then as soon as Marjorie Taylor Greene started talking, he got up and walked out. So just a very we what what has the reaction been after all of that occurred yesterday? So the reaction is that on a theatrical scoreboard, Hunter Biden gets a very high mark. He had the theatrical control of that moment. And look, we are entering a stage, if we haven't already been in it for many years, where theater in politics is as important, if not more important, than anything else. Than the substance, than legalisms, what people take away and how things bounce around in social media and ricochet through the consciousness of the country theatrically can and oftentimes does matter more than any of the underlying substance. And what was evident yesterday was Hunter Biden's people said, let's take control of this scenario. We don't believe it's legit. So let's take control of it on our terms and then we'll leave on our terms. And the only thing that I think substantively matters is there is a legal process here. Congress can find someone in contempt for ignoring a subpoena. And you know where that contempt charge goes? It goes to the Department of Justice, which has shown its ability to indict Hunter Biden. Let's remind ourselves of that. You may think not often enough, but he has been indicted. So the Justice Department knows how to indict Hunter Biden, knows how to follow up. But Hunter Biden going there saying, hey, if you're going to accuse me of contempt for not uh, uh Answering your subpoena, and here I am, that will give the Justice Department pause to say, yes, you are in contempt of Congress. Again, that is a low-level substantive matter. The theatrics of it was to steal some Republican thunder, and I know most Democrats believe Hunter Biden did. I certainly know his legal team believes he did, and they at least at minimum fought the theatrical part of yesterday to a draw. Many think they won the moment. Chief Washington correspondent for CBS News, Major Garrett, is our guest. Uh, Major, a lot of times uh, heading into the early stages of an election year, and we're January Mm -hmm. of 24, uh, you can read some tea leaves based on who in Congress is deciding to hang it up, not run for Uh, re-election. And a lot of times that gives you a pretty good at least uh, insight into what at least the insider class thinks is about to happen. Have you seen anything in the in the retirement so far that, to give you any sense of what's happening? Yes, but it's not what, what you so accurately described. What you so accurately described is a kind of way to get a sense of the weather, what, a weather vane, a kind of what way the wind's blowing, you know? Because when people bow out of Congress, they think one of two things. Either their party is not going to keep what they have or get what they want. If you're in the majority, you're not going to keep your majority. You're going to be out of majority status. Or if you're trying to get the majority, you're not going to get it. And so what's, what are you hanging around for? It's kind of an indicator like this. Because Trump and the Trump factor is so absolutely positively singular 
utterly unique in American politics. Retirements on the Republican side in the House tell me something different. Not that they're unsure if they're going to win the majority or not. They already possess the majority, though it is incredibly narrow, as narrow as can be. But some of them don't want to hang around for a Trump presidency. That's what I detect. Even though under the circumstances that you were describing, that would never be the case. What? Our our guy or our gal someday? But our guy's going to get in? I want to hang around for that. Uh-uh. Some don't want to hang around for that. Uh, That's what I detect. And I saw that yeah. yesterday in Greg Pence getting at, uh, announcing he's not seeking re-election. So, he, he had a safe seat. Totally safe seat. Could be in the majority. Uh-uh. I'm out. And I think other Republicans are signaling that as well. A unique moment and a kind of tea leaf I never expected to see. And, and all of that's happening against the, um, you, you know, the backdrop of the possibility, though it's it's not likely yet, maybe it's not even eminent, but it is on the table, according to Chip Roy, that they might get rid of yeah. Mike Johnson, the new Gosh. speaker of the House they just voted for. So, so right. how likely is that possibility now? I, 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 I don't, I mean, honestly, this is, this is such a, an upside down, world uh and i i do make that in loving reference to stranger things um a show i very much enjoyed during lockdown uh we are living in the upside down i i i i thought and people asked me this earlier this week well they've got this new deal on spending you think it'll hold i said yeah and i and i i texted a bunch of republicans and republican aligned lobbyists and they all pretty much agreed with me my sense on sunday was look the spending deal Conservatives won't be happy with it, but it's Kevin's deal. He reached it last year, middle of the year, so there wouldn't be a debt crisis. Johnson can blame it on Kevin and say we're going to govern because it's an election year. We want to keep our focus on Biden and the oversight and Hunter and all that other stuff. I'm going to work aggressively on all those things. Just give me a pass on this. And everyone said, yeah, that sounds about right. That's, that's where that things we're going to land. won't be easy, but that's where it'll land. And yet, Chip Reuner is like, no, 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 no. We're going to sack this speaker, too. And I'm like, well, then I, then I honestly don't know how to read things anymore. Because that makes no practical legislative or political sense. It just doesn't. It disempowers your Republican majority when it's already as narrow as it could possibly be. But I don't know. I can't tell you that they're not going to do it. I can't tell you that. So the objection some of them have is that they are working with the other side to get something done on a spending bill to not shut down the government. That's the objection. Compromise. Right. But you have and, and I don't, I'm not trying to be overly simplistic about this. It's very simple. The president of the United States is a Democrat. The Senate majority is Democratic. You are a Republican House. You have one part of a bicameral and divided legislative to executive branch government. You don't, by definition, get your way in every respect. You just don't. Because other people elected by other Americans to represent their interests outnumber you. And therefore, you have to compromise. And it's not as if this spending deal isn't a retrenchment in some conservative ways from the deal struck last summer. It is. They got some more IRS funding reprogrammed, and they got some COVID money reprogrammed. They got a couple of things. Fall forward, dummies. (laughs) That's great. 
fall forward dummies. I would, I will be using that forever now. Thank you, thank you for that, uh, Major. Who's on? <laughs> fall forward dummies. Who's on the takeout this week? So, uh, Bob Casey, Democrat from Pennsylvania, Senator, up for re-election. And uh, as I mentioned on the show, I have historically we're, we're in our eighth year, by the way, of the takeout. I'm very proud of that. We have historically, because of my instincts, not had senators running for re-election on the show in a re-election year. But Casey's involved in a lot of issues right now. It's early in the year. I said, I'm going to make an exception. But I've offered his presumptive Republican nominee, David McCormick, a chance to be on the show. Equal time. And I said, hey, Senator Casey and Dave McCormick, if you want to bring this show to Pennsylvania and have a debate on my show, The Takeout, we'll do that, too. So anyway, that's that's Bob Casey. We cover a lot of ground. Uh, All this, Israel, Gaza... 14th Amendment, presidential immunity, the whole, the, whole, the whole works. Host of the Takeout Podcast, Agent of Betrayal Podcast, The Big Truth Book, author of that, Chief Washington Correspondent for CBS News, and Cotton Bowl Champion, Major Garrett, with us on KMOX. Good to talk to you. We will talk to you next week. Look forward to it. Thanks. That is uh, Major Garrett. Mizzou grad. He's a tiger. He is a tiger. He is a tiger. Hey, uh, your favorite segment's up next. Oh, this is, what are you What are you thinking about? Well, we call it Did You See This? Oh, yeah, yeah. And also, John, uh-huh. we have tickets to give away today. Have we now? Got to be listening for your opportunity to win. It could happen next hour. Could happen the hour after that. Could happen in the next 15 minutes. There's no telling. Billy Joel tickets. Billy Joel and Sting at Bush Stadium. Really? September 27th. Oh, I was kidding. That's really what we oh, have? Believe it, big wow. boy. Got a pair of tickets we're going to give away today and tomorrow. Got to be listening for your chance to win here on KMOX. Did you see that thing? I can't believe it. Something is obviously wrong. This is a joke, right? Oh, my God. Are you freaking kidding me? No way. You got to be kidding me. Don't feel bad. There's no way you could have known that. Now, did you see this with Chris and Amy on the show? Hey, uh, John, do you have any interest in moving to India and participating in a job service called Impregnate Women? Hmm. Sounds interesting. Yeah, I guess you're probably not interested in that. Well, uh, apparently a bunch of men in India have been scammed by a Facebook ad, which offers them the opportunity to choose between seven or eight women to impregnate and in which they will be paid... 500,000 rupees, which is the equivalent of about $6,000. And these men are answering the ad. They are having to give money to these scammers who are telling them we need the money for court documents so that we can make this all legal. And when the whole thing is done, you'll be paid $6,000. And typically they're all men who need money and they are taken by this scam. Mm. You know, the rupee's not worth, worth what it used to well, be. Well, I don't know what it used to be worth, yeah. but I will tell you this. That is one hell of a scam. Here, wow. here's your opportunity. To, we'll, we'll get a hotel room, which is what they tell them. We yeah. will get the hotel room. We'll set up the meeting. You'll go there. They keep asking, oh, we need a little bit of money to get the court documents. We need a little bit of money for the taxes. We need a little bit more money for this. And then before you know it, they have paid several thousand dollars to these scammers. Wow. It's happening in India. This according to the BBC. Be careful out there. Yeah. If it sounds too good to be true. Also, did you see this story about Oklahoma City, which I've never been to? I have. How, what do you think of it? It's, it's a fine city. There is a proposal for what they're going to call a development called Boardwalk at Bricktown. 
They want to build a 134-story residential skyscraper. Wow. In Oklahoma City. Yeah, it's booming. But does it seem... The next tallest building is 40-something stories. Yeah. It's triple the size. Well, if 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 they build it, they will come. You sure about that? Pretty sure. Seems like overkill. Mm. Hey, John Hancock, Chris Ranji, we've got more coming up on KMOX. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.